everybody, and welcome back to Rocky Talkie. Thank you all so much for tuning in with us. I hope you had a great holiday. Hello, John and Aaron. Hi. Hello. How was your holiday? I'm tired. Oh. I'm very tired, but I'm here and I'm ready to do the thing. Wee. That's it. I'm excited. I had an awesome holiday. I got a bunch of great gifts over Christmas. I gave a bunch of fun gifts. We yeah, had... you did. Hell yeah. Yeah, you did. We had ham. We managed to make yeah, exactly the right amount of mashed potatoes this year. Yeah, you That's did. That's hot. Yeah. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I opened a bunch of gifts uh, and then proceeded to play Among Us for four and a half hours on Christmas. <laughs> That's exactly how quarantine 2020 Christmases for millennials were spent this year. <laughs> did you play on Switch? Did you play the new version of Among Us? Oh, no, I'm not a pleb. I played on my PC like a real gamer. Good, good job, good job. <laughs> and my partner Savannah got me a uh, a stream deck for my stream, so now Ooh. I can yeah, so now I can do things without having to pay attention to like the the actual like streaming stuff. I can like play with my lights. I can put like funny voice effects on my voice. I can Ooh. like switch through my scenes. It's so fucking dope. I'm really excited to use it. Nice. That sounds so fun. Christmas was kind of muted over here in uh, Central Jers. Me and Josh spent Christmas with my family. But because of COVID, I only had to go to one Christmas this year, which is nice. very, it was weird. It was very weird. I'm very used to like going to like eight different Christmases and like banging them out and hoping for the best. But this year it was just like me and my close family and we all got tested. It was very calm. It was a very calm holiday. I enjoyed it. You said banging them out. Yeah, you did. You know, I was going to say that the best gift I got was this really wonderful Dick. drawing tablet that Meg and Aaron, you know, so caringly got me. But now, Aaron, you can get fucked. Bang it out. Oh, my God. Okay, whatever. Can we just can we just move into our first segment? Can we do that, please? Sure. Let's bang it out. All right, so not surprisingly, we're pretty light on global news this week. We do have one cute little Christmas story for everybody out there. It is very cute. So everyone's favorite drunk uncle, Barry Boswick, partnered with the Mount Dora Area Chamber of Commerce in Mount Dora, Florida, to put on a virtual holiday performance because, of course, their regular light-up Mount Dora holiday celebration was canceled this year. Rip. So instead, they put on a very sweet Christmas virtual show, and Barry hosted it. The grand finale, and the most fun act, in my totally unbiased opinion, was Uncle Barry reading to some of the kids from Montessori at Roseboro School. This was really adorable. Barry's wearing this ridiculous Christmas sweater. It was like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and he's got a massive red throbbing pom- No! Where's your mind at? Stop. It was a pom-pom, Nikki. Stop. Do you not know how the song goes, Nikki? Yeah. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a Rudolph massive throbbing dick. No! <laughs> 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 So the massive red throbbing pom-pom was right on his tummy. 
and it was like Rudolph's nose. He was also wearing pretty great like Brad driving scene slacks. He sat with a few kids from the school and he read Twas the Night Before Christmas. And oh, he really puts his whole heart and soul into this performance. It was <laughs> dramatic and intense, yet somehow lighthearted and festive. <laughs> uh, Meg, can you play a little bit of that good shit right here? He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings and then turned with a jerk and laying his finger aside of his nose and then with a nod, up the chimney he rose. Sprang to his sleigh and to his team gave a whistle and away they all flew like the down of a thistle. And I heard him exclaim, ere he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all! And to all, a good night! 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 Good night. Oh my god, he's so extra with the reading. Like, fuck, get into it. <laughs> I know, he's such a funny guy. You guys want to know the best part about this video, though? I mean, Barry didn't take his pants off once during the entire video. That's honestly really impressive as far as he's concerned. Barry takes his <laughs> pants off literally everywhere he goes. I'm pretty sure the last <laughs> time Barry kept his pants on for, like, any performance whatsoever was when he was in Teen Beach Movie. Well, Barry, we hope you had a Merry Christmas. Thanks for keeping your pants on around all those school kids. So let's move on to community news. Yay! Everyone at Rocky Talkie Podcast would love to happily say congratulations to Adrian and Polly on your engagement. Yes! Oh my God. They have been such loyal friends to the show, and I'm so excited for them. Honestly, Adrian, Polly, I was so happy for you. I completely blocked it out of my mind that y'all decided to get engaged on Christmas. <laughs> like, you are the only couple that's allowed to do that from here on no, out. No, literally. Like, every other couple that gets engaged on Christmas, I'm going to hate them. This is bullshit. We set a $50 limit, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but really, congratulations, Adrian. Congratulations, Polly. So happy to see you share the rest of your life together. That must be absolutely incredible. Congratulations. Congrats, guys. So cool. So the Kids of Albany, which is a shadow cast that is based out of the Palace Theater in downtown Albany, New York, is currently hosting a Save the Stage raffle to help keep their theater from closure. So like a lot of our home theaters, the Palace has been dark since March and is struggling to stay open. The Kids of Albany cast is currently holding a Save Our Stage raffle, the proceeds of which will be split between the Palace Theater and the cast. I'd really suggest checking this out. They have some really cool prizes for the raffle winners. The grand prize is a large Frankenfurter print signed by Tim Curry, and they've also got a poster of the Palace Theater signed by Barry Bostwick, plus a ton of other prizes. They've got Funko Pops, T-shirts, buttons, pins, a custom throw blanket, a whole bunch of desserts from local bakeries, which look absolutely fucking delicious. And I'm sure they could ship if necessary. I'm looking into it. I want the goods. But they got a lot of great stuff. And it's for such a good cause. 
So raffle tickets are only $10 each, which is a steal, if I do say so myself. The winners will be announced on New Year's Eve, which is December 31st, on their social media accounts. Their tickets are available to everyone in the United States. So if you'd like to try your luck at a neat old prize and help out the Kids of Albany, I'm going to need you to go to thekidsofalbany.com to buy them tickets. Speaking of a neat prize, we've got a ton of write-ins this week, guys. Jesus. Woo! Oh, my what God. What a neat prize. <laughs> it's so neat. It is very neat. Can I exchange neat. it for, like, a spider ring? <laughs> I mean, maybe an eraser, something tasty. Mm. But anyway, speaking of something tasty, our first write-in is from our dear friend, the Emperor of New England. So oh. let's hop into it. Shit. Your Highness. Name, some asshole from New England, obviously, mm-hmm. and the message. Well, hello there. First, I'd like to directly address Snoogans in parentheses. Not sure if I spelled that right, but oh well. Don't worry, Duke. It's an A, not an I, but it's a podcast. Nobody has to know. I assure you, I am very interested in whatever was behind those sensor beeps. Meet me at the Dunkin' Donuts. No, not that one. The other one. Yeah, there. Insert smiling devil emoji here. Secondly, to Nikki, actually, Duke, it's N-I-C-K-I, not N-I-C-K-Y. But again, it's a podcast, so your secret is really safe with us. (laughs) Yeah, we won't dox you. (laughs) I'm actually younger than you, still over 18. Don't worry, Snoogans. That's really cool. We're close in age. And I grew up listening to cassette tapes and watching a VCR. So I don't really know what to say about your lack of understanding of those. Maybe you're just uncultured. Or maybe I'm just putting you down because I want to feel superior. The second one. It's the second one. (laughs) Oh, I thought it was the first one. Mm. (laughs) Speaking of superiority, you called me the Duke of New England in episode five. I like that. Call me the Duke. Though, admittedly, after submitting the stripes question, I realized it would have been more clever to call myself some masshole from Massachusetts. Ah. Take your your pick, I suppose. Yours, some asshole, the Duke. Oh, man, guys, that is a lot to unpack. I just, I hope we all get to meet up at a con one day, and maybe we can introduce Snoogs and the Duke of New England, and they can go the out of the of each other behind that Dunkin' Donuts. Honestly, they sound like they'd be perfect for each other. And honestly, Your Highness, before you start picking on Nikki for how uncultured she is, I would just like to point out, my first car was a 1979 Pontiac Bonneville that had an 8-track player, and I used to play Kiss and Olivia Newton-John's Greatest Hits and all kinds of great stuff on that all through high school. I didn't listen to those because I was cultured. I listened to those because I was poor. (laughs) Yeah, and you know me with all my waitressing riches. I've only been exposed to modern technology, like Walkman. Remember those? Well, I don't know about y'all, but I like vinyl because I'm both cultured and rich. I'm just Shut kidding. I'm up. I'm neither. I'm <laughs> I'm a swine and poor. Shut the fuck up. Can I just say, though, have either of you thought that Snoogans and the Emperor of Massachusetts, like, might be the same person? 
Oh. Like, their writing styles are kind of, like, similarly aggressive, like, you think? Maybe? That'd be weird. I feel like that would be very weird for Snoogans to then write. Like, Snoogans wrote into the show and told the asshole of New England that he was going to, like, lick his nasty crack. Is that just, like, another form of masturbation? Are you implying that you've never looked in a mirror and been like, I'd fuck me? I mean, I would, but I wouldn't write into a podcast about it. Why not? I mean, I I definitely see what you mean. It would be a little weird if the same person was writing in and trying to fuck themselves. Although, I know that totally happens sometimes. I tell people to go fuck themselves all the time. I internet. Well, your highness of Massachusetts, whether you're also snoogans or kinda snoogans or not snoogans at all, John and Aaron love you, buddy. I'm still on the fence. <laughs> we hope we can help you hook up with your write-in soulmate. Whether it's Snoogans, kind of Snoogans, or not Snoogans at all. Thank you so much for all your great questions so far. We love hearing from you, and we can't wait to hear more of your adoring letters. So, we've got one totally anonymous write-in, not even a pseudonym this week, with some feedback for the show, a little corrections corner for Aaron with some info he got wrong, and some shade for Snoogs. The message reads, Top 5 Dictations, spelled D-I-C-K-tations, 10 is too long for this anonymous persona, noted about the first seven ridiculous podcasts. With ridiculous spelled with a dick. Yeah. All right. Bear with my pronunciation here. I am Danish. Okay. (laughs) Fünf, that means five in German. We're doing German numbers. Oh, that's good. (laughs) Fünf, Rocky Talkie podcasts on Alexa devices won't give it to you in chronological order either. Hence, you're in good company. Wir, that means four. Research confirms of someone's theater exposure as a youngin, and if white toddler shoes with black paint aren't proof enough, there's a buttload of costume dress-up photos. Dress-up for school projects, of course. Dry, three. Infamous trip was to Dollywood, not Dolly World. Apologies to Dolly. Jeez, Aaron, way to fuck that up. I see. Yeah, Dolly is going to... This is like a chain letter. It's like if you don't forward it to 15 people, Dolly Parton's going to appear on your ceiling in the middle of the night and kill you. <laughs> That's horrifying. That's absolutely horrifying to think about. Jolene. Okay, I'm sorry. Zwei. Two. Keep it coming because the threesome or foursome or fivesome or orgy you got going on is awesome. Love, love, love your attention to research detail in answering Nikki's question during the session. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And eins. And getting on to the main reason for this written expose, the culminating end-all, the big shebang, the reason for the season is to tell Mr. or Mrs. Snoogans to get off your high-fucking-rocking horse, because when you didn't accept the proverbial compliment of to go fuck yourself, you lost your credibility, because, of course, that is a compliment. Even in the before times, the go-fuck-yourself context has a motherload of good humor, like the non-sequitur comic strip to Trump, the shitload of modern gifs and if spider michael imperioli can say to jimmy the gent conway joe pesci and goodfellas why don't you go fuck yourself tommy you know you're in good company and yeah it's confirmed that the phrase has been uttered during an unconventional win by the mother figure so set your slop bucket and potty mouth aside and appreciate what you've been given 
over and out support of twits for life. And this is followed by a citation of the sources used for the write-in, including a citation for a go fuck yourself gif. Aaron, I would love to hear your thoughts on this write-in, dude. Any idea who this might be? They have a pretty dirty mouth. Absolutely no idea. Couldn't couldn't possibly be anyone I know. No one no one knows those kinds of secrets and lives to tell the tale about this it. This is just like a whole mother load of information yeah. that I'm just oozing with, you know, just clarity about. Honestly, I feel like these supportive twits for life should probably do some inverse punishment and wash their own mouths out with soap. Any idea, bud? I'm I'm stumped. Yeah. I am stumped. Mother of I... Pearl, I have no idea. Must be anonymous. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, you know, I had plausible deniability, and then they had to talk about the damn shoes. So, Mrs. Aaron writing it. Uh, no, this would be uh, Mrs. Tidwell. That's that's my mother. Um, ah. I love you, Mom and Dad. You guys are great. Uh, I didn't know you knew some of those words. We're going to have to talk about that next time <laughs> that we sit down together. We'll talk about the appropriateness of using that kind of language on the internet. You know that you're really putting yourself out there and that the words that you say are representative to all of the people who hear you. So I'd like you to think about that, and we'll talk about it next time we're on the phone. Thanks, Aaron's Mommy and Daddy. Keep writing in. This is exactly what happens when you have supportive parents on like an R-rated podcast. (laughs) You know, this is why I'm happy my parents aren't supportive. (laughs) Wow. You know, and I'm just going to point this one out here real quick. Meg fucked me on this one and didn't put this in the show doc. So this blindsided the crap out of me. Um, So yay. Thanks. (laughs) Next time you get a present, you might. I don't know. I'm gonna put poop in your bed. I don't. I don't really know what to do here. Aaron, you share a bed with her. Just hate fuck after the recording, and everything will be okay. <laughs> I oh the bed. lord. <laughs> well, uh, twits, if I may, this has been fun as hell, and thank you so much for the write-in. We're glad that you're enjoying the shows, and we're even happier that you're fact-checking the important stuff. Dolly World, for fuck's Dolly sake, world. Aaron. I know. I know. <sighs> Oh, it's man. fine. We'll go to Disney Planet next time. <laughs> and to Snoogs. We love you, buddy, whoever you are. We know this episode has been a roller coaster for you. You're getting b***ed all over the place. You might be two people. I don't know. We hope that we get to hear whatever you've got to say about all of this next week. And with all the love in the world, we say to you, go fuck yourself. Our last write-in is from Nosferatu, typed N-O-Z, the number four, ATU, fancy, no cast affiliation from Central Canada. John, mm. let's just call him Nosferatu. It'll be easier. Oh, you don't want me to say N-O-Z-4-A-T-U for the rest of this? You know, he says his own name a lot, so. I think we should just call him N-O-Z-4-A-T-U. I feel like that's more, you know, him. That really just, so Nos- him. So Nosferatu writes... <laughs> I've got a few stories about how Rocky has woven through the majority of my life. Oh, Nosferatu, do tell us. I have been a huge Rocky Horror fan since I was 15, which was in 1988, before I saw it in theaters and before it was available on VHS. 
I fell in love with the music and then sought out a copy of the movie before I even knew about the participation side of things. I found a bootleg copy of a copy of a copy of a copy on VHS eventually, and I was hooked. It only played in our area on Halloween, but my virgin experience when I was 16 blew me away. I bet it did, my friend. Total, <laughs> total chaos that I wasn't completely expecting. So why am I writing? I got some super fun stories about Rocky from my life. I won't write them out in full here, but if you want to know more, let me know. Ooh. I'm in both the Creatures of the Night books. The first one dressed up as Frank for my virgin experience, and the second getting a tattoo of the lips on my chest by one of the top... 10 tattoo artists in the world at the time Ooh, that's cool right i was behind the camera of an interview i worked in media with a drama professor talking about shakespeare in the park in about 1995 and the voice was so familiar halfway through the interview i realized it was the photographer from the hapshat wedding and a transylvanian henry wolf huh. ah. i recognized his voice from the one line that he had in the movie I still have the 15th anniversary jacket. I actually have about $1,000 in merch from the late 80s, early 90s, but this one's my favorite. So seeing the 45th anniversary stuff now makes me feel a little old. It should. All of us. <laughs> I saw Tim Curry when he was King Arthur in Spamalot in New York. He didn't come out back for an autograph. Damn it. Mm. I had the chance to be the volunteer handler for the Rocky Horror Reunion at Toronto's Fan Expo a few years ago in 2017. But I already had Burning Man tickets, so I couldn't do it. My thought was I might run into Susan Sarandon at Burning Man, so it might even out. I didn't. <laughs> but I did go to a showing of Rocky with a shadow cast at Burning Man in 2014 and 2017. It's a weird place to see it, but super fun. And this year, I'm not sure who put it on, but I went to Rocky Horror in Alt Space on VR. It was super fun, sort of like being there. Audience, theater, hot dogs, and toilet paper. I heard about that. That seems kind of cool. I was a part of Sal Piero's fan club back in the day. Still have my membership card. He sent me all kinds of photos and papers on it. I had a comedy radio show on community radio for about 15 years called Inside Insanity, hence the Hotmail address, played as much obscure Rocky Horror stuff as I could possibly find. And lastly, another near miss. We were booked for a trip to London this spring for a wedding, and I had booked a night at Oakley Court. So sad that COVID canceled it for us. Anyway, if you find any of this interesting, let me know and I can elaborate on any of this. I could talk about Rocky Horror forever. It's been a huge part of my life. Thanks for making a great podcast. Two absent friends. That is such a cute ending. Oh, yeah, this was great. I love this writing. Nosferatu, thank you so much. This is a great letter. I always love talking to people who've been around the community forever because I'm fascinated by all the war stories like this that you can only really accumulate by having been entrenched in all of the Rocky community for decades. I love all of the little tidbits that you have here. I take a look at Creature of the Night pretty much every single week for this show. I've flipped by your photos a dozen times. They definitely ring a bell. Imagine seeing Rocky at Burning Man, though. That sounds like a made-up thing. That that had to have been totally nuts. Like, was it a million times more insane than a regular show? Yeah, and I'm really sorry your Oakley Court trip got canceled. I hope you get another chance to go when the world stops ending. Also, I hope I can go. 
Do you want to go together? Hell yeah. Oh, not me. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, just Nikki. Just Nikki yeah, and Nosferatu. Me and N-O-S-4-V-R-A-T-U. Yeah. I don't know how to spell that word. I know that we'd all love to hear the long versions of some of these stories, especially Aaron. Like, I can hear his dick getting hard all the way across the Hudson River right now. Stop. I, I feel called out. You should. Nosferatu, thank you so much for writing in and sharing with us. Our answer to you and to all of our listeners is that we'd like to offer you a new segment, and we're going to call it Big Dick Storytime. Aw, like Uncle Barry and those kids. No. Nikki, shut the fuck uh, up. Oh. Not like that. But to all of our listeners, if you've got a really, really cool story from your time doing Rocky, like something that'll make your dick look bigger than mine, we'd love to hear it and share it on our show. If you like, I don't know, went to a crazy Rocky show at Burning Man, or if you performed at a really cool venue, or you like time warped in front of the queen or whatever the fuck other shenanigans that you could have gotten yourself into, send them in. We'll read them on air, and everyone will know how big your dick is. Snoogs, this is the segment for you, buddy. I, I saw Barry Boswitz's butt one time. Does does that count? No, Aaron. We've all seen Barry Boswick's butt. Literally everyone listening has seen Barry Boswick's butt. Counterpoint. If you've been doing Rocky for more than like an hour and a half, and you haven't seen Barry Boswick's butt, that's a total big dick moment, and you should tell us about that. Or, like, anything else. Anything else, preferably. Yeah. <laughs> Please. And if you have any other awesome stuff you'd like to share in our community news segment, if you're working on a Rocky-related project you're proud of, like Jill and her Instagram account, which I love, by the way, or if your cast is planning something fun, we'd love to talk about it here. Just go to our website, rockytalkypodcast.com, and send us a message. We can't wait to hear from you. Kelly. And I'm Leandra, and we host Rocky Horror Minute, the podcast where we discuss the Rocky Horror Picture Show in excruciating detail one minute at a time. We're doing this show to share our love of the lyrics. You've never seen a prune in real life? No! Okay. They're not the same as raisins, right? Our passion for performance. Oh my god! I was like, bad knees, stupid, sober. Our attention to detail. I know that everybody's curious. That car is a 1964 Ford Falcon Deluxe Sedan, four-door, 54D. And to unlock secrets that would otherwise be lost to time. Oh, are you asking if I know the name of the cheetah and why it had such a problem with the snake? Visit us on the web at RockyHorrorMinute.com for more information. Or look for us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And with that, I think it brings us to everybody's favorite segment. Nikki asks a question. Uh, don't you dare put words in my mouth. My favorite is global news. Okay, I really so... like sign off. <laughs> I really love it when the podcast ends, actually. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a fan of all those bloopers at the end. That's what I'm saying. No, Stick me around. too. Check them out. Yo, yeah. Honestly, shout out to Meg, our producer, for adding those bloopers in because they're fucking hysterical. I love hearing how many times I mess up because I feel like 80% of the bloopers are me. And I can't tell if Meg is like adding me or if it's genuinely me 
So, like, either way, fuck you, Meg. Fuck yeah, you. fuck you. Before we jump in today, we've got a couple of follow-ups from last week. Larry Vizel helped us out with a little more information about the statues from last week's episode. Jill, this one's for you. Larry wrote in, The Janet statue is owned by the son of a scriptwriter who lived in Spain. Huh, go figure. The way he explained it to me, this is explained to Larry, there was a party when the film wrapped and a lot of stuff was destroyed. The crew that broke down everything painted Janet's pubes and nipples, but the scriptwriter salvaged the statue and gave it to his daughter, who was an aspiring artist. She painted it to look like a Harlequin, and it's been in his kitchen ever since. Oh, wow. She's got this painted on top in a mask. It's like a checkerboard pattern, and her hair is brown. Well, I'll be damned. It's nice to see that Janet is alive and well. I really like the phrase, son of a scriptwriter, just like completely separately <laughs> as like a bleep for a curse. Like, ah, son of a scriptwriter. Script <laughs> <laughs> oh, sadly, though, Larry was also able to share a photo of the Dr. Scott statue from after filming. This one doesn't have such a great story. He doesn't look so lucky. His face is like fully painted black and he's he's pretty banged up. The photo shows him outside near the trash along with the other set pieces that were destined for the dump like the Transylvanian convention sign. So a little bit of good news there, a little bit of bad news. Thanks, Larry. We love finding out about this kind of stuff. Anyone know where Brad and Rocky ended up? Two down, two to go. So we've also got a second follow-up on the photo of Columbia holding the egg from last week. Several of you hit us up and let us know that the egg photo is in fact real, and my Shoopdar is out of whack. Is that like Gadar, but for Photoshop? Of course it is. So you all told us, and now we are happy to share the good news. The Columbia photo appears both in the McRock book, but also several other sources over the years. Oh, yeah, I don't know how I missed this one. It is right there in the McRock book on page. There's a handful of other photos that are like right there next to it. It's clearly from the same shoot. It's Nell standing in front of the gargoyle. And yep, there it is, standing there with the egg. Does that change our verdict on the eggs? I'm still convinced it's an urban legend. Even with the photo being completely verified, I'm standing pat. I don't think it provides a ton of new evidence, but, I mean, it still leaves the question out there, right? Yeah, I think I'm still hugely skeptical. Like, just because the picture is real does not necessarily mean that they had an Easter egg hunt. Because, like, the egg isn't painted, the egg is not decorated, it's just a regular fucking egg. Something tells me that it was just lunch on set, and Little Nell was just being a fucking weirdo as she usually is. <laughs> so also little now if you for some reason listen to this i love you please don't kill me actually or please kill me that would be like the greatest way to go out as somebody who's a fan of rocky hard to get murdered by little now so either way either don't kill me or do it just shit or get off the pot little now okay thank you all for <laughs> letting us know we love when you write in and thanks for making sure that we don't commit the cardinal sin of being wrong on the internet and speaking of sins, we have two writing questions this week. Nikki, you get to pick this time. Eggs or butt sex? Uh, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, what? no, no, no. You heard me. Eggs or butt sex? Well, didn't we just do eggs? So you're choosing butt sex. No, no. Okay, eggs. Uh, Definitely eggs. Alrighty. Well, our first write-in is from Red from the New York City cast. Hey, Red. 
So they write, Okay, Rocky Talkie, you talked about eggs, and I have another egg-related question for y'all. This one might be more of a challenge, though, so gird your loins. I don't like how that sounds, Red. I no. don't like it either. So unsubscribe. <laughs> I'm unsubscribing from my own podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I learned recently that professional clowns register their character makeup. There's a collection in London where all the faces are painted on, get this, eggs. Here's a link to a BBC article from 2017 about it. So here's my question to you, Rocky Talkie. Is Columbia's clown makeup an egg-registered face? I'm excited to hear how you investigate this. Much love to all of you, Red. First off, I don't like the phrase egg-registered face. Like, I feel like that (laughs) phrase has never been uttered before. There's definitely Mm. a subreddit out there for, like, phrases that have never been said before. So, Red, find that subreddit and post the phrase egg-registered face on it. Secondly, what a cute question. I had never heard about this before. So, thank you for giving me some education today. Me neither. This was a lot of fun to learn about. The Clown Egg Registry serves as a visual database of around 250 painted clown faces, all kept on record on either blown or ceramic eggs. The collection is housed in Wookie Hole in Somerset, England. The eggs serve as a non-legally binding copyright of each individual clown face. Which, if you're following along, means that they are not legally anything. Yeah. It's just faces on eggs. Right, yeah. For fun. The register is kept by Clowns International, which was started in 1947 and originally known as the International Circus Clowns Club when it was just a yearly meeting. This once-a-year gathering was arranged by circus owner Billy Smart. For publicity, he would have his circus clowns visit the grave of esteemed clown Joseph Grimaldi and lay a wreath. This is a yearly meeting that has been kept alive to today. Are you down with ICCC? Yeah, you ICP. know me. Much motherfucking wicked clown love. <laughs> clown eggs. Uh, we'll cut that. <clears throat> I hope all y'all listening at home just popped open a two liter of Fago and are spraying it all over your domicile right now. ICCC. That's my new favorite rap duo. <laughs> so circus enthusiast Stan Bolt saw this yearly gathering and out of it created the International Circus Clown Club, which in 1978 became Clowns International. Membership is open to all types of clowns. Nikki, you're first in line. Oh my god! So, the Registry of Clown Eggs is a collection owned by Clowns International. So, entry to Clowns International is restricted to working clowns with developed visual identities, again, Nikki, who seek to use a new name, which is a name not already used by a member or associated with a famous clown. New clowns, clowns under 18, and clowns who aren't performers are not eligible to receive an egg, though may be eligible to join Clowns International. For the record, both my persona and Columbia's makeup are not on an egg at Wookiee Hole. Registration is restricted to working clowns with developed identities within the clown community, and individual clowns have to take it upon themselves to register their faces and have their image worked into an egg. There are only about 250 eggs within the collection, and even if Sue Blaine submitted the makeup for an egg, it would have been rejected by Clowns International as it isn't connected to an actual clown. Sue Blaine actually did speak to Jim Whitaker on the subject of Columbia's makeup and costume while he was writing his book, Cosmic Light. Uh, That interview is recounted in Still the Beast is Feeding, 
So we can talk about it here because I have that book and I don't have the other book. Uh, so Sue Blaine said that she designed Columbia's look around Little Nell's already colorful persona. I kept the theme going, she proclaimed, but there was no question once you met Nell. You go with what Nell is. You can see that a lot in the original stage show costume for Columbia. She was wearing glittering striped trousers. They were like rolled up to mid-calf with her socks and sock suspenders. The whole look was meant to evoke the 30s tap dance star, Ruby Keeler. So she wore a glittery waistcoat and it dipped like really low to intentionally expose Nell's rouged up nipples. Uh, that's a look that persisted all the way through the show's initial run, but was gone once the film adaptation was made. Good thing. How would the anally screen accurate out there resolve that one? We would find a way, Nikki. Fake nipple technology is very advanced. See, I like what you just said there, Aaron, because that assumes that someday in the future, you will play Columbia. And I, <laughs> despite being on the same cast as you, I will pay for that ticket. Fuck, 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 fuck. So Sue Blaine also recalled that for the stage show, Columbia had outrageous eye makeup, which got progressively more elaborate as time went by. Facial sequins, glitter, and of course, Nell's trusty tap shoes finished the look. So basically, all of this to say that Columbia's not a clown. No. Yeah. She's a disco ball. <laughs> She's a disco ball. <laughs> <laughs> disco <Sorry>. Balls International. <laughs> You can visit the Clown's international site as well as sign up to be a part of their organization at www.clownsinternational.com. So our second write-in is from Rowan, who is my Twitch mod. So shout out to Rowan. I love you, you beautiful bastard. So we had to skip it last week, but I bet all of you will agree that this question is worth the wait. Hey Rowan, let's dig in. So I heard a rumor a long time ago that Richard O'Brien found Barry Bostwick hot once casting happened. From there, he had written in a sex scene between the characters of Riff Raff and Brad Majors. This scene was rumored to be filmed as well, but it was cut eventually as it didn't have a place in the story. I personally think that this is completely fake. Nonetheless, I found it funny and would like to hear your take and your history on it. I'll attach a Reddit thread in which somebody talks about it. They also attach a video of the supposed scene, which is just so clearly fake, but still absolutely hilarious. It wasn't the first time I've heard this story. Thanks, Rowan! This is going to be dope. So I checked out the link, and this was on the subreddit Obscure Media. The post has very little discussion, but the only real information is in the title. And it reads... Dubious Deleted Scene 2001 Long rumored to be a deleted scene from the 1975 film, which did have a deleted riff and Brad sex scene, this video clip was shown at Rocky festivals for decades and is most likely a fabrication concocted for a Rocky Con in 2001. So the Vimeo video that the Reddit thread links to was posted by Steve Warwick, a longtime member of the Rocky community about a decade ago, and the description reads... In this video, edited comfortably into a spot just after Touch Me, is the world-famous Riff and Brad buttfuck scene. The video and audio quality were both atrocious, so I tried to clean them up as well as I could. Unfortunately, the results still aren't particularly satisfying. So I present this video as is. Oh, so this isn't the original version of this video. It says that this Steve guy edited it together in 2010 and cleaned it up. Who knows what else he did to it? 
When we're looking at old source material, we want to have the original version. That's where you see all the cracks and mistakes. Do we have the original? There is what we can assume is the original form of this video, which was posted on rockymusic.org. And the description there gives us a little bit more detail. The infamous Brad Riff buttfuck scene, as revealed at the Frankie Goes to Hollywood Con in 2001. This was supposedly filmed for the Rocky Horror Picture Show, but not included in the final release. For more details, consult Arthur Levesque's Brad Riff buttfuck scene FAQ. I'm sorry, what? Why is there a full-blown frequently asked questions document about a deleted sex scene? Okay, we'll get there, we'll get there. Let's just look at this video first. It opens up with a blue VCR playback screen, like implying that it was video captured from a VHS tape. We see red curtains in the background, pretty similar to Janet's bedroom scene, and there's a, a figure lying on a bed. Brad enters, and he starts talking. Meg cleaned up a bunch of this audio, so take a listen. This is the dialogue that happens. So at this point, the audio cuts out as Riff bends Brad over on the bed, gets behind him, lifts his robe, and begins furiously dry humping Brad while still wearing his pants. You know, protection. <laughs> protection. Aaron, I hate you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> protection. Okay. What in the shitty YouTube video was that? You can barely hear anything. Meg has outdone herself to get you guys something listenable. But trust me, the original audio on this thing sounds like every single noise filter was turned on and then played back through a tin can. I don't even have to get out my copy of the movie to know that Janet's bedroom scene curtains are more sheer than that. I'm pretty sure that's not Barry Bostwick. And why would it be in this shitty resolution? The whole movie was on film. Shouldn't it be widescreen? This looks like it was taped with my grandpa's camcorder. What I think this is trying really hard to do is make you believe that it's a 50-generation VHS tape, right? Something that's been copied over and over and over. Yeah, that's the primary way that bootleg videos were shared in the 80s and 90s. If you had deleted scenes or live footage, something recorded off of a TV or anything like that, it was probably on a VHS tape. And that tape was probably a copy of a copy of a copy duplicated repeatedly when it was shared from person to person. Yeah, and, and that tape probably had warped audio, like way too many scratches to see anything, the color completely blown out. 
I mean, I've got a handful of really old Rocky bootlegs that are pretty much just that. Hell, that was the only way to get Rocky on tape before 1990. We talked about that saga back in, like, episode two. Then sure, that's what this video looks like. A copy of 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 a fan-made YouTube video. <laughs> I, I can't deny it. This thing looks janky. Maybe the quality is so bad because it's a copy of a copy of footage that was left behind on the cutting room floor, but I'm skeptical. Hi, skeptical. I'm John. So what is this? Why does this even exist? Is it just some slash fan fiction video that was made before YouTube? Why would you go through all the effort to make it look like a bootleg? Well, this is entertaining because unlike some of the other urban legends that we've talked about on previous episodes, this is an urban legend that has kind of fully run its course already. That video is actually the denouement of the whole urban legend story where Riff mounts up on Brad and fully jumps the shark. Oh, so where does it start? What's that FAQ thingy? So that FAQ is long since gone, but you can find an archived version of it that has its last update from 2009 hosted in the Wayback Machine on archive.org. Oh, wow. This thing basically says it's all real and has a ton of information. It cites sources. It has tons of facts. This looks like a gold mine if we can verify all of this info. Who is Arthur Levesque, the guy who researched and put all this together? Is he like your spirit animal, Aaron? Not quite. Arthur has been called the Weird Al of Rocky Horror. Well, crap. Is any of this true? It's dubious at best. Arthur compiled and arranged several years worth of conjecture, trolling, and honestly, nonsense into one huge document. All of it coming from our good old pal, the Rocky Horror News Group. Okay, now we're going to do a little dramatic reading of some of the selections from the Q&A. Nikki, why don't you ask the questions and John and I can switch off with the answers. Introduction. Question. The what? The infamous Brad Riff buttfuck scene is a scene that was supposedly filmed for the Rocky Horror Picture Show, but not included in the final release. Other supposedly lost scenes, like Once in a While, have since come to light, but the Brad Riff buttfuck scene remains a rare and rumored collector's item. Question. Where did the Brad Riff buttfuck scene come from? Answer. It wasn't in the shooting script or the play. Someone, probably Richard O'Brien, but no one is completely sure, came up with it during the shoot. It was one of the things that apparently made sense at the time, but that everyone involved later decided was a bad idea. So we can confirm that one. Uh, it's definitely not in the shooting script. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Question. Why? According to one source, Richard O'Brien was a tad intoxicated, and while watching Once in a While being shot, developed the hots for Barry Bostwick, and jumped in to improvise the scene. Bostwick didn't object, and Jim Sharman insisted that the cameras keep rolling. Another rumor says that the scene was totally Richard O'Brien's idea when he realized Riff Raff would do Brad in the movie. O'Brien wanted an excuse to fuck him, but that's just a rumor. As for Barry, it has been said that this was sort of a rebound thing because he was confused from just breaking up with Susan Sarandon. Whether or not he was even aware that the cameras were still rolling is debated. So, hold on. Did Barry and Susan date? No. Barry Boswick oh. and Susan Sarandon never dated. B, once in a while was not filmed anywhere near the same time that Janet's bedroom scene was filmed. They were days apart. Question. So Richard O'Brien never considered the Brad Riff buttfuck scene when writing the play? Well, there's another theory. In the Rocky Horror scrapbook, take a look at the page with They Came From Denton High at the top. Joe Vitus is crossed out and replaced with the character name of Riff Raff. 
Now, go to the previous page and look at the song list. It says, Once in a While, Joe. It seems that Richard initially thought Once in a While should be sung by Riff Raff, possibly to Brad to appease him, maybe? This might make the tense of the lyrics make more sense and could have been meant to lead into the infamous Brad Riff buttfuck scene. The only thing that's remotely true in this is that the character of Riff Raff was originally named Joe Vitus in Richard's original notes. Anything beyond that, I don't know, man. Question. Is this the Rocky porno video show I've heard of? No, that's a completely different thing. An extremely bad porn movie parody of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Avoid, avoid, avoid. We talked about that already. Yeah, no, don't avoid it. Go listen to episode three. (laughs) Right. Question. How does the scene go? So this transcript was posted to alt.cultmovies.rockyhorror several years ago. That's that's the news group that we source everything from. It's an excerpt of a little script here. So um, I guess John has to be Riff and I have to be Brad. Nikki, you want to read these stage directions? Sure. There is a knock at Brad's door. Hmm. <laughs> a shadow slowly approaches Brad's bed. I see you have tried the specialty of the house. What? Who? Brad turns on lights. Riff is standing over his bed. But there are rules that have to be followed. But I I didn't do anything. You've done enough. What are you talking about? You have tasted the sweet nectar of the prince. How, how do you know? It's my job, and now you must pay for your sins. Magenta and Columbia are otherwise encumbered, so that leaves you. For what? For this. Oh. <laughs> I don't want to say this one. Riff grabs Brad and flips him over onto the bed unzips himself and starts to penetrate Brad, an evil smile comes across Riff's face. Question, is that really how it goes? Here's a description of the scene by someone else. Frank goes after Rocky, leaving Brad alone and confused. Riff, knowing Frank will be gone for a while, goes to Brad's bedroom. Janet finds Rocky and gets in on with him. What? Frank gets in on with him. Gets in on with him. Frank, pissed that he has lost Rocky, goes back to Brad just to find him getting it up the ass by Riff. Riff takes off with Frank and Brad running after him, which brings us up to the mercy elevator scene with Frank whipping Riff for not only losing Rocky but also taking Brad. Oh, okay. I mean that makes like some semblance of sense, it, I guess. It does make sense. <sighs> Whatever. Question: Is it nasty? Uh, the answer here, it's a play on the senses, really, and doesn't show really anything at all. Kind of like the bedroom scenes, it's done with a lot of shadow play and such. No sheet in front, however. Question. What is Riff Raff wearing? His butler uniform and some sort of fluffy pink slippers. Some say they have bunny faces on them. Others disagree. Even though that part of the screen is a little blurry, I think that what you are seeing is more of that white fur that is around the sides of the slippers. You can see this most clearly when Riff's legs fly up as he mounts Brad. You can clearly see that the bunny faces have one inch high white fluff spouting from them. This is what really makes me think they are just fluff and not actual bunny images. As someone who has sat and stared at a lot of costume pictures, 
the video evidence that we've been provided does not actually show any bunny slippers. So I can neither confirm this nor speak to the accuracy, the screen accuracy of any bunny slippers that you yourself might own at home. So, you know, you're just going to have to fuck Brad barefoot like a heathen. Ew. Question. Any squidgy details? It appears that Richard O'Brien has a mole on his right buttock. Though some say that it's just another blot on the film, like the black spot on Janet's statue arm. And others say it's a tattoo of a lightning bolt. It can't be seen clearly enough to confirm that. Their face Richard O'Brien makes while coming has to be seen to be believed. What? Apparently somebody saw a version of this that we didn't see. Clearly. I would like to see it. I thought you didn't want this to happen. I don't. But now you kind of do, right? Yeah. Now I kind of do. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, question. Who else was involved? The answer, Richard supposedly came up with a few lines to be spoken by the criminologist after the scene. It is unknown if they were ever filmed. The only thing I can speak to this is that crim scenes were definitely shot last. So if something completely made up did happen, they would have had time to film some extra dialogue. Maybe? Okay. Eh? 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 Question. Anyone else? There does appear to be someone or the shadow of someone off to the side during that scene. It's probably a mistake, just like when you can see the microphone before damage Janet. Some think it's a Transylvanian, but they've all left the castle at this point. Correction, it is not a microphone. It is the lantern that hangs from the top of the church door frame. <laughs> Apparently, all the people who think that this is a mic that accidentally got into the shot are mistaken. Interestingly enough, Richard O'Brien himself comments on the DVD that it is a microphone. It seems Richard O'Brien does occasionally remember or relate details incorrectly. This may be another reason why some of the information in this scene is incomplete and or contradictory. Oh, this is such a self-referential pile of garbage to all of the nonsense that was being talked about on the... Anyway, moving on. Question. Are there any references to it in the rest of the movie? Answer. No. Uh, since it was added during production, not when the script was written, there are no lines in other scenes which refer to the Brad Riff scene. Specifically, Superheroes was written long before the Brad Riff scene was created, so Brad's line about down inside I'm bleeding has nothing to do with his anal rape. Okay, Once in a While was written before Rocky was even thought up. Richard wrote the song Once in a While long before he had penned any of the rest of the movie. So, yes, you are right. It has nothing to do with this scene. Question. So what happened to it? When Richard O'Brien was clean and sober, he couldn't believe he'd done it and insisted the scene be removed from the film. It's not true that the scene was simply edited for MPAA rating concerns, as some have suggested. It was removed long before the film was submitted for a rating. Question. Has Richard O'Brien ever spoken about the scene since? And the answer is someone asked Richard O'Brien about the long-lost Brad Riff buttfuck scene after a showing of Disgracefully Yours in New York City. But all he would say is that he hated the scene and hoped that it was gone for good. This has dampened most people's hopes of ever seeing it on future releases. Giant fucking citation needed. I'll give you a giant citation. Question, is it available? Answer, not all of the negatives were destroyed, and even though no legitimate release of the Rocky Horror Picture Show contained the scene, it was included in at least one bootleg from China. The 10th anniversary Laserdisc made in Tibet, allegedly? Up until then, it was considered the rarest of rarities, and most people denied that it ever existed. 
Okay, uh, there is no bootleg Laserdisc from Tibet. That is <laughs> not a thing. There is no bootleg from China either. That also never existed. So good luck. Question, do any theaters have prints with this scene? The scene was only put on a limited number of early promo prints. Like superheroes, Fox didn't think that the US audiences would take to it, and so the scene was cut from the final release. Superheroes, however, was at least kept on the overseas prints. The Brad Riff buttfuck scene was not. When Rocky started to get really big in the US, Fox started running out of prints. They first pulled prints from overseas, which is how we first got superheroes over here, and then dug up the original promos too, only a dozen or so. Since very few of the original prints, promo, or first real press are still in use, finding one at all, let alone one that was still usable, would probably be rather hard. Even the theaters that still have mono prints probably have a copy that was struck in the mid-80s around the time frame of the 10th anniversary and not an original. One theater that was known to have a copy was the Balboa Theater whose marquee is on the 15th anniversary video in Newport Beach, California. The Balboa later got a newer Superheroes mono print, wore it out in a few years, picked up a new Superheroes stereo print, and then closed two months later. The cast, Midnight Insanity, moved to the art theater in Long Beach. The print with the Brad Riff buttfuck scene was sent back to the distributor and more than likely just cut up and thrown away like most of the old prints. No, none of that's true. Question, who else had one? Answer, according to Art Laurie, the Exeter Street Theater in Boston had one around 1979. The word is, the first print the theater received during its initial run had the Brad Riff buttfuck scene in it, like with superheroes prints. Film Inc. did a poor job then of labeling the film case, but it only ran for one weekend before the film was replaced. We saw it on Saturday, Art said, spent the next week trying to choreograph it to be as accurate as possible, and by the time the next Friday rolled around, it was already gone from the theater. That riff and I refer to that week as the week that will never be spoken of. Some have claimed that the print with the scene was not returned, but the projectionist cut most of it out. Honestly, out of all of this shit, like, being completely true, I believe that. Because Art Laurie, that man, definitely, I cannot tell a lie kind of shit. Like, I believe that. I really do. Okay. Okay. Oh, God. Shout out to you, Art. I love you. <laughs> Question. Are there any stills or photos from the scene? Answer. Trailers and press kits are often made from dailies while the movie is being made. Uh, when the final film is released, many of the scenes you saw in the preview are not there. There was still a photo from the Brad Riff buttfuck scene in an early edition of the press kit for the Rocky Horror Picture Show. It was intended to be part of the lobby card and still photo set from the film, but when the scene was cut, they also cut it from the press kits before they were released. Apparently, a college student working for Fox at the time fished it out of the trash but refuses to make scans or copies of it. Larry Vizel has made several offers to buy it outright for his rare Rocky photo site, but so far, it has been refused. There are also occasional badly forged pictures on web pages claiming to be stills from the Brad Riff buttfuck scene, usually placed there anonymously. These can be easily determined to be false by close inspection. Don't assume that you have true stills or the video from the scene without examining the evidence and the identity of the provider. Definitely don't pay any money. False videos of the scene surfaced on eBay a while back unless you're sure that you're getting the genuine article. At the Cirque de Rocky convention, Mick Rock would not comment on the Brad Riff buttfuck scene. But he did acknowledge, with a sly, lascivious grin, that there were some photos that he took that he was not going to release. These were for his personal collection. And that's what? fucking gross, considering what yeah. we just talked about last week. Yeah, dead ass. The press kit 
for Rocky does not contain any of these. There is no version of the press kit that does contain photos of this scene. It doesn't exist. Question. Is the scene on DVD? So the answer here, since the Rocky Horror DVD does have at least one other Easter egg on it, some people have speculated that the Brad Riff buttfuck scene is also hidden somewhere on the DVD. This appears to be wishful thinking as no one yet has come forward to demonstrate its presence. I can personally say this is 100% false. It is not on there. I have ripped every single video off of the DVD, gone through every single file that is both on the DVD and on the Blu-ray. I didn't expect to find it and I didn't find it. Question. Can I download it? Answer. It is not currently available on any webpage or FTP site that I know of. Contact me if you find it. Around the time that Fox was going after people for distributing the Revenge of the Old Queen script, and others were being warned about certain MP3s on their site, one person who did have the scene online received a word from some of Fox lawyers. Apparently, someone at Fox and or someone involved with the movie, Richard O'Brien, question mark, did not want to see this scene distributed. Another person who wishes to remain nameless claims to have gotten the scene off of Kazaa, a file sharing program some time ago, but has not seen it up there since, nor will she make her copy available there for fear of being charged with copyright violations or theft. Note, that Kazaa, due to lawsuits, is no longer a free and uncontrolled file sharing program. Man, you guys remember Kazaa? I do remember Kazaa. I was just about to say, is Kazaa still, like it says, Kazaa due to lawsuits is no longer a free and uncontrolled file sharing program. Does Kazaa due to lawsuits still even exist? I don't, I don't think so. (laughs) Question. What do the Rocky Horror fans think? Most of those that know about it view it as a part of the movie's history, even if they don't consider it canon that it actually happened in the story because apparently this person has their dick so far up their ass that they had to explain what the word canon meant for everyone who doesn't know what be <laughs> what canon is i don't know i thought it was a big thing that shot out a ball right <laughs> some are just as glad that it was deleted Question, has anything been written about it? There has been some fan art based on the scene and Arthur Levesque has written at least one song parody which alludes to it that's true. Question. Has the Brad Riff buttfuck scene ever been performed as part of a Rocky Horror Show stage performance? It's not possible to be completely certain given the number of performances done by small theater groups around the country, not to mention the number done in foreign countries and other languages. Even if you had the CD of, say, the South Korean production and it had a full recording of the entire performance, like the whole gory story, rather than just the songs, would you be able to tell if they had squeezed in the buttfuck scene if you didn't understand Korean? However, any professional group that puts on the Rocky Horror Picture Show is expected to follow the official script provided by Samuel French Incorporated in the U.S. and some other countries and Rocky Horror LTD in Europe. The script has gone through changes since the Rocky Horror Show debuted in 1973, but at no time has it ever contained the Brad Riff buttfuck scene. Keep in mind that the Brad Riff buttfuck scene was created during the filming, which came after the play. There is a rumor, though, that the producers of the 2000 Broadway revival, The Rocky Horror Show Live, briefly considered including a Brad Riff scene, which, although inspired by the legendary movie scene, would probably differ significantly from it in order to shock and surprise audiences, but it never went anywhere. Possibly someone, Richard O'Brien or Christopher Malcolm, question mark, objected. There is no truth to this rumor, however, that Jared Emick, the original Brad Majors, or Raul Esparza, Riff Raff, refused to do the scene. It had already been decided 
voted against long before the show was cast. Question, why isn't it discussed more on the Rocky Horror News Group? Uh, According to one collector, perhaps it's unfair of us to give away so many details about the Brad Riff buttfuck scene. Part of the thing that makes it so rare is that so few people have seen it. It's just like the Revenge of the Old Queen script. <laughs> well, not anymore. Uh, many people have never gotten their copy, so we stopped conversation on the news group because it's unfair to those people who missed out on it. It's real easy to find the Revenge of the Old Queen script now. Just Google it. Question. Will it ever see the light of day again? At the June 2001 Frankie Goes to Hollywood convention in Hollywood, California, the audience was shown a clip from the Brad Riff buttfuck scene. Details of how they found the clip and who it belongs to have not yet been divulged. An air of secrecy, they expected this to be a surprise, surrounded the exhibition. They have received many requests for a copy and promised that they will eventually provide some. Addendum. Almost three years later, they still haven't released the Frankie Goes to Hollywood convention videotape, which they promised will contain the Brad Riff buttfuck scene that was shown at the con. Question. Is it true that Brad's verse in Superheroes refers to this scene? I mean, I've done a lot doesn't make sense if Brad only had sex once. And Down Inside I'm Bleeding could mean that Riff Raff didn't use any KY? Answer. The song Superheroes was in the original stage play, so it predates the Brad Riff buttfuck scene, which, like the cannibalism of Eddie, was added for the movie. One Rocky fan did an analysis of this scene for a cinema course at Rhode Island College and argued that the scene was added to provide some balance for Riff and Brad's characters. So this is the academic explanation that this person came up with. Riff and Magenta are sibling lovers, but Magenta also has gay sex with Columbia, a human. Allowing Riff to have gay sex with Brad, a human, provides some balance. And you have to wonder if Riff released Rocky just so he could distract Frank and get his hands on Brad. Why else would he let the creation loose and risk Frank's wrath? Yeah, because Riff isn't just fucking chaotic chaotic. Brad... After Janet is seduced and deflowered by Frank, she goes on to have sex with Rocky and revels in the experience. The Brad Riff buttfuck scene, after Brad is deflowered by Frank, allows us to see the negative effect that sex has on Brad. Good God. I hope that you had to repeat the course. Okay, so that was a lot. It all sums up to sound like it could totally just be a massive troll. Yeah, I think we proved this one has a crazy number of facts that are either easily debunked, they're hearsay, they're unsubstantiated, or they're just flat out wrong. But what's great is that when we trace some of these facts that are listed on the FAQ back to their original source posts on the news group, we can see all of these crazy embellishments and stories that happened over the course of just a couple of years. The reason we see this is because pretty much everyone in the community was using this story as a meme and not as an urban legend. There was the rumored footage of once in a while that proved true, so everybody didn't want to write it all off, but nobody had a problem using it as a meme when they weren't really sure of its validity or extremely skeptical. So it's not really an urban legend. We don't know if it's actually true, but probably not. And now it's become memefied. That makes so much more sense. It's not real. But are you sure? We do have that firsthand account from Art Laurie. And Art Laurie is literally perfect. Look at the footage. But like, are you sure? Just 
Look at it. It is obviously fake. But Art Laurie is perfect. But you have no sources, so... The onus is on the person bringing the claim to prove that it's true. Not on me to debunk your crazy conspiracy theory. So it could be true. Art Laurie is perfect. Anyway, so the idea of this cut footage was memed out to the nth degree within the community. So was this video even shown at the 2001 convention? They did show it. I know that for a fact. Unfortunately, I wasn't personally there. That's about like three years before I started doing Rocky. That's the year I was born. (laughs) You are small. (laughs) I bet some of our listeners were there. Head over to our Facebook page and leave us a comment on this week's episode. Let us know how you reacted when you saw the footage for the first time. So, wait, who made the video? We reached out to a whole bunch of our sources who have been in the Rocky community forever. And they all sent us the same legal boilerplate. Really weird. Never happened before. Ah, Fuck. What? So this is actually just a big conspiracy? No, actually. So, okay. Don't tell anybody. But I heard that this video was rehearsal footage and that Richard O'Brien pulled a black and white striped Easter egg out of Barry's ass at the end of the uncut version. You know, the one dubbed in Klingon. Have you guys seen that one? I heard they're going to play it at RKO 4. Ooh. Okay, that's all the time we have for today, folks. Hey guys, it's Aaron from the future. Don't call this one just yet. Meg and I have done a ton more research and we found even more information about it that we're going to share on an episode real soon. Stay tuned. We're not done with butt sex yet. So before we sign off on this wild episode, we just want to thank everyone who wrote into us this week, Red, the Pope of Massachusetts, Rowan, and Nosferatu, and of course, Aaron's mom. All of you fucking rock. Love you, mom. If you're enjoying the show and want to help us spread the word about it, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. It helps make our show more visible to new listeners, which is really the goal with a podcast. Also, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, all at Rocky Talkie Podcasts. So please go check us out if you like us and want more content. And please write to us. We love getting message submissions from all of you, and we look forward to chatting with you all week. We want to hear about all the cool Rocky stuff you and your cast are working on, and we want to share it on our show. If you're working on a Rocky-related project that you're excited about, if your cast is doing a show and you want to spread the word, or if you've got an amazing story from your Rocky Horror career, go to our website, rockytalkypodcast.com, and fill out our contact form to share with us. Last but not least, we want to wish all of our listeners a very happy new year. We hope you get to party your hot little asses off just in a safe, socially distanced sort of way. If you're seeing other people, please mask up and stay six feet away. If you get 2020, you'd never find out who Snoogans is. And if they make it to the right Dunkin' Donuts to meet up to with the Duke of New England. And that would be sad as hell because I know we're all dying to find out how that shit goes down. It really do be like Game of Thrones up in this bitch. We'll see you guys next Thursday. Bye. See ya. So, Barry, we hope you had a Merry Christmas. (laughs) Thanks for keeping your pants on around all those school children. I'm not saying that. Do it. I'll do it. (laughs) 
So the kids of Albany, which is oh, I started jingling my keys in the middle of that. I don't know why. Jingle keys, jingle keys. It's like sometimes when I'm recording the podcast, I don't know what to do with my hands, so I just start like touching things around my desk. Really? Yes. Sometimes I touch you wanna myself. Want to hear Decker playing cards? John has been fired from the podcast and will be replaced by a broom with a beard. Honestly, I'm honored that you consider me. Say your fucking line. So the kids. <laughs> See, now I like vinyl because I'm mm. both uncultured. Well, <laughs> <laughs> now you see i like vinyl because i'm both uncultured fuck i'm adding myself <laughs> i'm literally making fun of myself right now oh yeah give us that good shit yeah i don't want to do this anymore how how did he touch you kind of snoogans or not snoogans at all not uh, snoogans at all ah uh, yes <laughs> Tag yourself. I'm kind of Snoogans. <laughs> God damn. All right, friends. Are you ready for our last write-in? No, actually. I oh. think we should take a break. Yeah, hold on. Yeah, I'm going to just crack. I'm going to crack a cold one real quick. Sit back. Yeah, just let me know when you're ready. Yeah, th- okay. I think I'm good. I think I'm good. I've had my wine. Great. Okay. Wait. <coughs> the cold one was, in fact, wine? Yeah, wine they, in a they can. can it now. Oh, is that like canned wine? Huh, the future's yeah. weird. <laughs> All right, so. <laughs> and my Shoopdar is out of whack. I think it would be Shopdar. And, and my Shopdar is out of whack. I said both, and Meg can choose which one she likes better. <laughs> it's Shoop. Yeah, I was just saying, yeah, because it's yeah. a it's an old 4chan meme. This looks shooped. I can tell by the pixels. Yeah. What the people. fuck is that? And seen quite a few okay, shoops no. in my time. I have yeah. an excuse for that though, because Josh won't let me go on 4chan. That's probably for the best. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty. Okay, it's anyway. pretty bad. But yes, Your Honor, this this right here, this this statement <laughs> yep. that you just made. I'm quitting. Hi, That's qu- so mean. Hi, quitting. I'm John. Hold on. Someone in the background really just went, meow. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I also went, meow. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Well, our first write-in is circus enthusiast Stan Bolt. <clears throat> I don't know why I stopped there. That was like the end of the sentence. Like, <laughs> circus it, enthusiast sentence. Stan Bolt. Anyway, so <laughs> circus enthusiast. Fuck. Why is circus such a hard word to say? Circus. 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 If you say, if you say any word more like a lot of times over and over again, it ends up just not being a word. <clears throat> Son of a script writer. Son of a script. Son writer. of a script writer. Scala. Good thing. Uh, no. <laughs> Good thing. <laughs> I don't understand this sentence. Good thing. <laughs> well, then Good thing. Change it. I just. How would the anally screen accurate out there? I think it's. That I one? think it's supposed to be it's, sarcastic, Nikki. I think. Yeah, because it's because I'm saying you know uh, it was really low to expose Nell's tits that happened that 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 was the visual thing all through the stage okay. show, but it wasn't in the movie. And you're like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Today we learned that Nikki doesn't understand written sarcasm. 
<laughs> yeah. I'll just start putting slash s at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> What's wrong? Y'all don't like hot riffraff Brad Major's action? We're doing oh, the butt fuck do. scene. All right, yep. let's do the butt fuck scene. So I checked. Wait, we're doing the butt fuck scene. Uh, no, you moving and along. John currently. Yeah, I'm gonna have to lube up for that, Rowan. It's real tight. Rowan, fuck. I'm gonna have to lube. <laughs> Just audibly <laughs> that Rowan can peg me. <laughs> oh, they're gonna love that. So. Oh boy. Yo, that was kind of hot. <laughs> <sighs> Sure. I'm gonna have to show that to Josh and tell him to take notes. <laughs> I got my huh. Brad costume. You know what? If he needs to take notes, then let him take notes. <laughs> I got, I got nothing for that for that fella. I got nothing for that fella whatsoever. Josh, I love you. I don't have a grandpa. But whatever. Yeah. Because my grandparents have embarrassing names. Um. Uh, excuse me. I. I d- they're embarrassing. They're like baby names. <clears throat> oh. Well, what I think... Yeah, I, uh, I just got there. And yeah, was... see, I thought you were talking about like your grandparents have embarrassing nudes of themselves as babies. I said names. Oh, I thought that they... No, I was with John. I thought... Except I thought that they subscribed to your OnlyFans. So uh, they oh had my more God, embarrassing wh- nudes. I... I was just implying that I call my grandfather Poppy. You guys are weird. Yes. You bitches yeah. is weird. Yes. I'm going to go brush my teeth. I don't like the the stage direction that says that he unzips himself because it sounds like he's wearing like a full body costume. He might be. He's an alien <laughs> yeah, after all. That is valid. Yeah. Question. What is Riff Raff wearing? His. <laughs> what is he wearing? What are you wearing? She, she says as she twirls her hair. <laughs> <laughs> Question. Any squidgy details? I fucking hate that word. Squidgy. That's a new word that I don't want to ever hear again. Squidgy. You should, I'm going to have to message Josh. Be like, hey, ask Nikki if she wants to get some squidgy on. I'm going to have to message Meg and say, hey, ask Aaron if he wants to get some divorce on later. Squidgy. <laughs> get some divorce on. <laughs> yeah, babe. You want to do that today? <laughs> that sounds hot. Anyway, any squidgy details? Um, no. None of that. All right. I just read all that for no reason? No, no. I just mean none of that's true. Oh. I was like, you go fuck yourself, Aaron. (laughs) Last but not least, we want to wish all of our listeners a very happy new year. A very happy end new year? (laughs) Last but not least, we... (laughs) I know, right? Snoogans, come back. I miss you. Asshole from New England, it's on fucking sight, bud. I want somebody to write in so I can insult them, so do that. (laughs) You could have gone after my mom. Pay attention to me, writers. Pay attention to me. (laughs) And that's that. Son of a preacher, man. Son of a scriptwriter. He's the son of a scriptwriter.